Hello, hello, you're listening to Lovecast Panini, our weekly teardown of Lovecraft Country on HBO. This week, we're going to be talking about episode four, A History of Violence. It's Black National Treasure, y'all. <laughs> I love this episode. It is so delicious. There was so much going on. And we've had some pretty intense plot and character revelations as well with regards to Montrose, Christina, William. Yeah, this is like a big monumental plotty episode. Can I can I ask was we've we we'd seen this the screener of this episode. Was the music as sort of delightful as it was in the final release? Yes. Yes. It was it's in my notes, yeah. Like with Rihanna and yeah. No, Rihanna and all that, yeah. But it was just that the the when they were doing the adventuring Goonies style stuff, the music was very Goonies, you know. It was very sort of mid-late 80s adventure music. There's some stuff in there that reminded me of the lesser known Indiana Jones. Like when you go mm. near the Ark of the Covenant, there's the kind of the... Yes, yes. That yep, kind yep, of yep, drawn yep, out music. Yep, there's yeah, an yeah, awful yeah. lot of that. Um, what I can't remember, what was the... Because everything, everything's a remix. What was it that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were remixing Indiana Jones from? Was it like, it was the adventure series of the 30s, but was it like Alan Quartermain? That kind yeah, of stuff? it was a bit of that, but it was mm. also Alan Quartermain as well. Yeah, whereas I think, you know, I think last episode, Tick is talking about Uncle George would have made a literary reference here. And then at some point in this, he just starts doing it. It's like, oh, it's like Journey to the Center of the Earth. We've got three yeah. caves. <laughs> also, that also that little kid in the library that kept shushing them was reading Journey to the Center of the Earth, right? Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, we could, we just, I guess we should start chronologically. I mean, we have Bitch Better Have My Money, and we had a little bit of Montrose freaking out, right? Just, he doesn't deal well. With anything. Yeah. But also, yeah. it feels <laughs> like there's a lot more trauma there with Montrose and the Sons of Adam and stuff that he's mm. just not letting on to, right? I mean, yeah. we find out he's kind of read the book and he knows a lot more than he should, but it also feels like they done some shit to him. Well, there's that, but there's also, I don't know if it's just when he's like freaking out on the floor drunk, there's like some of those sounds are not what was going on in the Sons of Adam. There's things about like, pick up a switch, boy, pick a switch. Yes. You know, switch is a, a rod to like hit someone with. So there's mm. like, He's dealing with an awful lot of trauma. I mean, everyone in this show is, but I guess he's just doing it in the worst possible way, which is just like shutting down and trying to hide. I mean, trying to hide is a good plan, but like he burns the book, which would be really handy for those Illuminati cheat codes in the back. Plus for all those who haven't actually read the book, that would have been nice and helpful. I mean, I think to speak about, about, about his trauma, something happens right at the end of this episode that sort of, mean that gives that you know indicates he got he's got something else going on right yeah is it though i mean well we're in spoilers this is a spoiler podcast by the way people um we'll get to that i guess later but the thing i find that it, it follows on through his character throughout which is yes. that it's his way or the highway and if he has to blow up the entirety of the highway and you know destroy all cars in existence he will go to those lengths in order yeah. to stop you doing what he doesn't think it's Jumping ahead to that moment, what happens at the end of this, there's a beautiful moment between him and Tick where it looks like he's finally seeing Tick as a, a grown man with his own wants, his own desires, and seeing other people as yeah. like actually other valid people. and their choices are valid yeah. and you have to work with them. And then he completely undoes all of that. <laughs> yeah. 
when he's uh, burning the book, he says it smells like Tulsa. I was just going to say. Which, yeah, is, yeah. Uh, which is, of course, a reference to the Tulsa rights, which we saw in Watchmen. But then when that happened, I was reading uh, a bunch of articles. When I first saw Watchmen, sorry, I was reading a bunch of articles about the Tulsa massacre. And they had described it. I think there was a piece in the New York Times. And they were talking about how people had described it as smelling of burning flesh and wood. And maybe that was what he was describing as well with the book, right? Yeah, yes. the book is made out of people. Yeah, the book is people, right? <laughs> so, so when 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 is when is Lovecraft set? Because the the massacre was in twenty one. Yeah, so nineteen twenty one. He was there. I'm just curious. Yeah, because he he says it the way he says deliver he the way he delivers that line. It almost feels like Montrose is speaking from experience as opposed to like a jokey reference. I think it depends how old Montrose is because if Montrose is in his forties. And we're assuming mm. that Tick is in his 20s or 50s, then it's possible Montrose was there in Tulsa as well. Because mm. it would have been 30 years in the past, so he would have been in his late teens, right? Or mid teens. Yeah. So it could be that. I don't know if they're going to bring that into the story at I mean, all. Michael K-, Michael K. Williams is 54. Okay. Right. So, so yeah. 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 It's possible. Could, he could theoretically have been there. Yeah. So we see Montrose kind of freak out in the beginning and then. Um, and then, of course, Christina kind of shows up at the house, um, which is also just a fantastically surprising moment because it doesn't play out the way you think it will because the shaman lady still has the blood marker on the door. I yeah. just love that. I love, yeah. Yeah, this is a great Buffy moment where she tries to walk in and it's like, boom, I'm sorry, you have not been no. invited into my house. But also, I like the fact that something that was so, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was a throwaway in the previous episode. It was... It was done so... Yeah, because we remember the ones on their foreheads, but she was actually marking... Yeah, yeah, but it was also just like a throwaway thing. It was just a little thing that she did, like a character thing, for it to actually have uh, life past that moment, right? It it just feels like, oh, that's beautiful that, that they remember that. It's beautiful that it was there for more than just that episode. The other thing is that it adds to the world in that, you know... Montrose said previously, white people got magic now, they got everything else, and they got magic. And it's, Mm. you're not sure whether it was just, you know, the power of love and friendship that got rid of Hiram at the house, or whether actually it was to do with the shaman lady's real powers. And this is like, oh no, we have our own version of magic. We got magic too, yeah. Yeah, and that's nice world building, I hope they come back to that. But just a look of shock on her face. Plus, I'm wondering... Does having an invulnerability spell mean that, like, Christina just drives like an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> like, have you, I, I only noticed it the second time around, but she, like, they're not really road rules. They're not really the rules of the road. They're more, like, guidelines for her. She just weaves everywhere while yeah. Bitch Better Have My Money is playing, and she does it later on as well. Yeah, but if you remember in episode one, when when she flips the car, the the car that's chasing Woody with our three heroes in it, mm. they never touch, right? So maybe no. the invulnerability. Well, I mean, they might touch, but they are gonna, they are gonna, they're not gonna wreck a silver ghost. Is it Rolls Royce? I think. Or yeah, yeah I think it looks like. They're, it, not, yeah. they're not even gonna run a risk of putting a dent yeah. in a vintage car. No, like but, like, we'll but still, like effects. they made, they made it, the 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 episode made it very clear that the two cars never touched, right? So maybe the invulnerability spell is, maybe it's a maybe special just, edition Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah, the, the, car, the car is special order for that. Well, you could just special order that. That's in the back of the brochure. 
Because if you're rich and white in the 50s, they got all kinds of cool shit for you. Yeah. yeah. It's like, would yeah. you like leather seats? Would you like the, the sole of a, a yeah. workman bound to your car so they can protect it from rednecks? Special add-ons. So Christina shows up and uh, and she's like trying to poison Letty against Tick. And she's all like, ah, oh, he tried to kill me if he, be- he continues behaving like this. This is not going to end well, blah, blah, blah. And of course, Letty's just like, get the fuck off my porch. <laughs> which is so great um and, th- and then of course comes the uh best bit when she finally gets uh talking to the cop right and that's the moment in the episode when i was just like what the actual fuck when he was like the orrery is the key to unlocking his time machine right and i'm just like Man! oh yeah yeah christina talks to the police officer in the office of what the fuck where he's got like somebody mewling in the cupboard oh wait wait, yes. wait. so 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 i think this is an actual reference like uh recently there was the story about police stations in chicago like real real world uh where they had like these dark dark rooms yeah uh where they would basically hide away and torture black people and what i think it may i think that fleeting thing with the guy like suffering in his office might have been a real world reference to that probably yeah it's weird that office he's in is obviously a secret office when christina goes in and i like the way she just casually kind of knocks the door with her foot closed behind her and there's like a like a pinboard on the back of that. Like I think it's mm. like the, it's. I don't think it's a police station. It looks more like you know like one of those like the clubhouse. A clubhouse, exactly. Yeah. The racist clubhouse. There's, yeah, that, 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 that which implies that there's some shit that you there's even some shit you have to hide from the racists. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so so okay so so when when that when that conversation was happening and the whole thing about time machine sort of that sort of brings back to what I was talking about in the last episode with the baby head, right? Yeah, your spoilers from last week for this week. My spoilers from last week for this week. Yeah, well, sorry. to be fair, Misha like... Green kind of spoiled it in an interview, but yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Not, not on me. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've added um, Misha Green to my list of mute words to one search so I've <laughs> accidentally come across spoilers for follow-up yeah. episodes. So, so, yeah, I mean, I guess there's a time machine in here somewhere. There yeah. should be. Um, of course, Hippolyta, we didn't realize that she actually walked away with the orrery. Uh, but she yeah. did, and uh, she's kind of playing it, playing around with it in the bookshop, and trying to figure out how to unlock it. Although she calls, although she calls her father and asks her father over the phone about about different universes and stuff, which I was like, huh, I guess you just do that then. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. She would she wouldn't even tell Letty. By the way, I'm stealing this big honking thing from your house, and yeah. also nobody noticed her getting it out, which is why I'm wondering. When you said last week, in the book, there's some more kind of journey she goes on when she touches it, right? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if that's going to be answered in episode nine, like the Netflix style, where you get, you know, Hippolyta's journey or something. But mm. uh, yeah, she seems to think they're talking about two sons and like, yep. it's, what is it an orrery of? Correct. Mm. And also there is this constant, I guess, since that point conversation about space and the stars, because when they're in the museum, they're in the planetarium section and she's talking to Diana about the comet. Mm. And oh, actually... In the book, they vary a little bit. Like, this is the first episode where they've kind of made a little bit of a change from the book. Um, mm-hmm. In that, in the book, the treasure hunting adventure just featured boys. And so they've kind of added the girls to the adventure, which actually okay. is a good change. And it actually builds a lot more character. But in the book, um, Hippolyta is credited with naming Pluto. Um, oh. instead of a comet. But I think the problem is, in real life, uh, Pluto was named by this 11-year-old British girl. Like, um, 
Venetia Bernie or something. And she died in 2009 and she was like 80 years old or whatever. But um, yeah, she was credited with that. And I think the reason maybe they didn't stick with that is because I don't think there's any actual evidence that she didn't name mm. Pluto. So it might have yeah. opened them up to some kind of legal stuff. Um, so that's why they went with like Harris Chariot for the name of a comet instead. Right. Uh, so they've made like a little, uh, a, a few changes like that, but the women were more front and center in this um, episode than in the book. Because in the book, Caleb's still around and he's the main antagonist. Meanwhile, uh, Caleb Braceweight, he's the, the father. Oh. Yeah, and, and so they've made it Christina to give her more of a significant role. Because like after episode two, I honestly thought Christina was dead along with everyone, right? Mm. Um, but... So they've kind of, they've kind of, I mean, Misha Green's kind of shifted things up a little bit and it seems to kind of work for the better because I think it just feels a little more deeper. Yeah, I like, I like that the, I like that Letty is in, I mean, I haven't read the book, but I like the fact that Letty is, uh, is an integral part of the adventuring, you know, and it's not just a boy's thing. I think um, that's, that's a really sort of, it, it doesn't feel like a, like a big change it doesn't feel like it but it's 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 important i think it's important that there's these different characters and this different you know baggage that they all come with um i think i would have been a bit more annoyed if it was just sort of montrose and and take sort of going on this thing and just like constantly arguing the whole way without without letty sort of being in there also arguing along. And maybe there's like some criticism from Misha Green to the author because there's that point where like Tick tells him to get in the magic ele- the, the great glass elevator and she's like, can you can you stop acting like this is only happening to you? You're not the center yes. of the fucking universe. <laughs> That's a beautiful, yeah. Yeah, he got kidnapped. I died. And then, yeah. And yeah. then she fucks off. And I love the look of Montrose. I love the look on Montrose's face when he's just like, do-do-do and following her. Yeah. <laughs> there's that... There's a beautiful bit after that when Montrose talks about um, when Montrose says, my, gra- my, my daddy told me one thing, uh, always have a love song. Yes. Because, because when she's out fussing like that, you, you start singing that love song. And by the, time you're at, by the time you're done with the song, the fussing is over because the fussing is just loving, right? And I love that yeah. sort of, I just love that little reminder of character there. Montrose had a ton of great lines. When they're tying the yeah. rope, rope on her on the knot and he tells his bullshit story <laughs> about his grandfather using it to the tie up horses. Yeah. And I mean, it's in the goddamn ripped. name. Yeah, exactly. And then he, and then Attic's like, the Freemans were never slaves. And she's like, got her on the goddamn bridge, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> she's out there, isn't she? I, was, I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Montrose is full of gold this entire episode. However, I have to say, the thing that got me quite thrilled about this episode was was the idea of what William was up to um, because we see him as a sidekick for most of it but now he seems to have taken an mm. interest in Ruby and yeah. like what's I, I, his I, I don't game know. and what's going yeah. on with Ruby because it was it was nicely set up in the previous episode when 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 Letty lies about uh, where she gets the money from and this dynamic and relationship um, really gets sealed with this notion of money for Ruby and why it's important, right? Uh, and then, you know, here comes William. It's like, oh, I can make you a promise. I can actually change your life. Um, and that, I, I really want to know where that story is going and why William wants 
Ruby? Because it feels like, is it just more setup of, I want to put a piece of wood in the spokes between all of these relationships? Or is it just, he's playing a long game. He's like, he needs to have multiple pieces on the board with Christina. And so for Ruby, that's his only into the house. Yeah. I mean, like for me, yeah. it feel, I I don't know. I'm reading it as, as William is sort of still Christina's butler, right? She's, this is a this is a Christina plan that. So you she, think they're of, both on the same side still? Oh yeah. I okay. No, no, yeah. I think. And I, I wasn't sure if William working, was playing his own game. Yeah, okay. Because he's oh, the no, man I, still, I, right? Oh uh, right. I because we don't know what his relationship is. So even if he does, he may not have the blood or whatever. So it may not make a difference, right? I still think that he is her butler, and she has sent him out to do this for christina reasons right she's his random task uh, slash odd job yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay 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 yeah yeah that makes sense um so uh they go off on the adventure but before they set off on their adventure to boston yeah we get the russo brothers title cards again uh before they set off on that adventure uh there's an interesting i guess uh side note when diana says that she wants to go read comics at Bobo's house with the little kid, the boy, right? Um, So Mm -hmm. I was reading a think piece and I think it was, I think it may be on deadline.com. I can't remember where I was reading it. And someone had the theory that Bobo might be a reference to Emmett Till, who was the black kid who was lynched when he was 14 years old. um, For looking at a white woman. Because he was also from the south side of Chicago. Oh, And okay. his nickname was Bobo. And people oh, used wow. to call him Bobo. And so this author, and I can't remember the name of the author, uh, but I'll look it up, uh, is of the theory that maybe Diana and Hippolyta are going to save Emmett Till. So that would be like an interesting side plot if that happens. Oh, right. But yeah, so that's quite cool. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Did that? Do we know when that happened? Because if we can... Because I'm wondering if they don't. Because I'm wondering if Diana and Hippolyta sort of... Because Hippolyta sort of turns around and goes back at the end of the episode, right? Not go back to Chicago, but sort of goes back to wherever they were. To a different spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's right. follow the map. She's going to follow the map to us. Like, this is where I died. Mystery here. Yeah, mystery <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if that while they're away and then Emmett Till dies, which will sort of yeah. spark something else for them. Because yeah. the timeline's yeah. right. In 1955 is when Emmett Till yeah, right. was lynched. Wow. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Uh, I do like the introduction of Hippolyta and Diana where like Michael K. Williams is just like, can't blame me for this. Yeah, it's like, it just turns up. I, lo- I love he walks up to Tick and goes... You can't blame me for this. Yeah. Goes, what? What's going on? Right? What? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then a suitcase comes flying at his face. Yeah. I, I just like as well, I don't know if it's a small detail and, and intentional or not, but just the fact that they had no problems fitting everything in the car, like packing when they, Uncle George was around, when they went on the first trip, whereas mm. now Letty and Taker just beating the shit out of all the luggage, trying to get it in the yeah. back of the car. <laughs> well, I think, they, I think they wanted to beat the shit out of each other as well, but yeah. they just took it out on the luggage. <laughs> Yeah, because we should say we skipped over the library bit, but like Letty just, you know, fucking hurricane, hurricane Letty heading for the library and just like that kid with the book constantly shushing them. It's great. I love how he just sort of storms off. Yeah, one of the things I love in that is just the fact that like they're calling, they're called spells. It's, it's spells. They put a spell on things. Yeah. That's how things mm. work. And we want to hopefully get around to, you know, maybe putting some spells of our, come up with some spells of our own. And I just like, I love that commitment to the bit. 
It's yep. like, yeah, it's magic is real. We're not going to come up with some funky word. They're not like something else or yeah, whatever. Not, it's like, yeah, and, it's magic and spells. Not, I, I like the fact that it's not, you know, like, oh, it's not science hidden thing, right? It's not yeah. based on, I mean, you previous episode we just saw a bunch of ghosts so let's not <laughs> let's not let's not fuck about with the with with the terminology here yeah. there's a fuck it's spells it's witchcraft let's move on but also yeah. that moment in the library kind of reinforces all of the things we like about the series which um where they get straight to the point i mean christina came to see letty and the first thing she does is confront tick about it uh, yeah. They mm. don't beat around the bush. They make no bones about it. Um, she's in his face. I mean, this is a pet peeve of ours with all the writing in so many shows. I mean, Ian, you mentioned yeah. it in Mulan as well, where it's just like, if you've got something important to say, just fucking say it. Just blurt it out. And that's like, uh, Christina's like, oh, you, uh, Letty's like straight away, oh, you paid the money. It's not a mystery that, Correct. like, you mm. know, Christina, Christina's not sitting in her chaise lounge going, and she'll never find out that I gave her yeah. the money. <laughs> because she's not yeah. a dummy, right? <laughs> Yeah, and it does the same thing again when it skips from the library to the bar when Tick walks in to see his dad and the barman's like, they're in the back and Letty's already there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's it, it plays out exactly how real people would react in these kinds of situations. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's not trying to bullshit you, the audience, and keep a secret for the sake of it, right? And so yes. I think all of that really just moves the plot along because by the time they get to Boston and the museum and you have this Indiana Jones slash National Treasure vibe happening where they're like kind of scoping out the museum and, you know, checking out how, the, how to get into the entrance and all of that stuff. It actually, it feels earned, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like there's any loose threads and loose plot lines just thrown at you at the last minute yeah. to go... Hey, 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 remember this? Yeah. Or hey, 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 yeah. this is why we're doing it. Yeah. But but also there's that I, again, now because of just watching this show and because the way Misha Green has sort of crafted this story, I'm now sort of uh, reading into a lot of things. Like, because in that museum, Tree is sort of, Tree is trying to get a rise out of Tick by talking about, about Montrose and how Montrose was hanging out a lot with the with his uh, gay bar Sammy. owner. Yeah. Yes. There's a hint and that he, just he may got, be bisexual there's or a queer, hint right? That he yeah. may be, yeah. And 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 that sort of rewatching it, I'm thinking to myself, is there something here? Am I should I be reading into this? Is it or is it just Tree being a dick that he is, right? Well, uh, that's so a, a lovely thing about that scene as well is that Tick completely ignores Tree for the first half of that conversation where he's trying to get a rise out of him from about mm. Letty. And it's just, yes. I think it was similar in a previous episode where Tick thought it was, you know, they were having a man off. Yeah, and actually, yep. no, Tick just wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. and that's been both of their interactions, right? Tick's wa walking through the house looking for something and he's just like, whatever, dude. Yeah. yeah. There's something weird about when Tick gets, when they get to the, the, the museum as well. I don't, I, I assume it's got to be one of those weird intentional things or something weird's going on. When Tree is talking about being Tree, uh, you know, because most men got two legs and he's got Tree. Mm. Letty's like, you forget we fucked in high school, motherfucker. But last episode, she said Tick was her first. No, but that Tree was the, lied that about was the thing because, yeah, Tree had told uh, had told Tick that they had had a relationship in school. Ah, um, yeah. And she, so, just, and she said that they just like had been held hands or some shit like that, was it? I think I think essentially Letty is saying that it never happened. And, and that know, Tree was just making shit up. You'd be making yeah, sure. ah, yeah. Okay. Like Tree told a lie that he got caught in now because he was trying to sort of yeah. So that nice. was I. I like that 
yeah, you're, I like that sort of pay, not payback, but it, a lot of the dialogue isn't just, you know, Tree being a dick. It's Tree being a dick and it comes back later to bite him in the ass because not only are the characters paying attention to the dialogue, the writers are paying attention to the dialogue, right? It goes back to that thing about that shaman putting the sign on yeah. the door. It's Everything not matters. For, yeah, it's not there for like, oh, this is the cool thing that she did in this episode and it got washed off in, in between episodes. It's No, it's still there. Everybody else has forgotten about it, but the writers haven't. Yeah. yeah. Once they go down the hole uh, in the museum, once they discover the entrance to Titus's secret cavern, all of the Indiana Jones slash National Treasure bits are really cool. Like... Kudos yeah. to the VFX team for the TV show that they're doing, but that bridge scene was really fucking well done. Like, it was yeah. scary, it was tense, it looked really good, and then and then when they finally go into the secret hidden office um, and they meet the corpse of this Arawak girl, like, mm. that whole transformation sequence transformation. I thought was fucking yeah. cool. Like, the VFX was great. Yeah. Yeah, I also loved. I also love how they just stood there and went ah. Yeah, because like you can really see, all the, see the mummy like yeah. coming back to life. It's just yeah. and like how painful that would be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Although you talk about the, the the plank and walking the plank stuff. As soon as I saw that, could, did everyone else just hear in their head the penetrant man kneels? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, they're also they're also really fucking lucky that it wasn't like a Castlevania game where there's more than one side coming back and forth. Yeah, I was like, I careful. Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a pretty 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 lame on of the designers to only have one flying thing. <laughs> I, I guess it was it came down to budget. It's like we can only go for we can either go for the side or the constantly filling water. Which one will we go for? We can add yeah. more sides or water. One or the other. Yeah, or yeah. the transformation I sequence mean, or the corpse transformation sequence. Um, yeah, so they meet this girl, and uh, it's Yahima Marakoti, and she mm. is of the Arawak tribe, which is an indigenous people of South America and the Caribbean, and she was basically kidnapped by fucking Titus, and he killed all of her people and locked her up in this room. So he did, he met her in the Caribbean, right? She says she's from It the was land his last mission, waters. right? Yeah. Mm. Was it his last one? He came back after his last one, he found that it was three years after his trip to the Caribbean, he... What, what, what did Montrose say? Montrose said there was another trip, so it wasn't that trip because Letty corrected him. He said like his the wing was founded after his trip to the Caribbean. He went on another trip after that, I think. Oh, did he? Right? Because I thought it was yes. his last trip and mm. then Montrose goes and three years later he founded the Sons of Adam. Yeah, three years yeah, after but, the, the, the trip yeah. that Letty brought up. I think he was talking about his final trip was this one, but ah, Letty was yes. like, ah, they built it earlier than that. Because mm. it's implied that Yahima can read the language and speak the language and also um, read the carvings on the cave, right? And yeah. so she's, from, she's from the land of many waters. What, what cave? Which cave is she talking about? There's like She mentions that like she could read some cave somewhere. Where was that? Notes. <laughs> she did mention the cave of... The cave of Alamon Kondi. Yeah, Alamon Kondi. Yeah. Mm. Is that is the, I don't if I looked that up and all I got was aluminium windows um, <laughs> cellars. Um, but the thing is, where's the land of many waters? Is it Atlantis? Oh, I think it's I think. Ooh. Oh, is it just the Caribbean? I yeah, I was just assuming it was the Caribbean. That's what I because, assumed too. You know, <laughs> is yeah. Islands and waters and stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, I'm sure it's it. There's so much packed into that just the last eighth of the episode yeah. with yes. regards to like, oh, it's a mummy. Oh, like it's not just like it looks like a. Like, 
again, screaming one-eyed willy as soon as you see the, 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 the mummy thing. It's like, don't fucking touch anything. You gotta leave some for Willie, otherwise you set off the boom tour. That's the other thing. The the Cindy Lauper good enough song was just playing through my head throughout that. Like as soon as they dipped in the water as well from the mm. Goonies. But yeah, they just she drops a whole load of shit. I don't even know what language she's speaking, but there are subtitles for that language. So she's yes. speaking the Arawak language. Okay. And they also are a tribe of people who recognize multiple genders so that's why she's referred to as two spirits and is one of the indigenous hermaphrodites from the tribe so it's one of the few native tribes that actually recognize other genders other than male and female it right. could also it could also be a cultural thing where uh, transsexual ca- uh, people would be shamans Correct. or stuff like that and so was, when i was watching it with the subtitles on it said uh, arawak language mm. oh it said arawak it said arawak oh. yeah yeah, 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 so I love I love how Letty is just like, wait, you speak the language, and Chick is just like, yeah, I guess I do. I think it's a blood yeah. thing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's also very helpful for the viewers because otherwise it'd just be a long episode of, huh? No, but also you know, I I love the fact that it isn't drawn out, right? There isn't this. Oh, he has a dream with he meets this, you know, with this this strange South American and speaking a language that he doesn't know why he understands. No, no. That's the first time you hear it. That's the first time you get it. That's the first time he understands it. Move on, right? Except mm. this is a world of magic and <laughs> witchcraft and let's just move on. Yeah. Oh, speaking of language, I did um, Google Translate the Latin on um, Titus's statue. Oh, yeah? Oh, what did it what say? say? Yeah, it, it is pretty, it's, it's pretty straightforward, though. It's like in the process of delving into the Black Abyss, for me, is the fascination of the keenest. So, I mean, Black Abyss there, it is... Uh, N-I-G-R-O, so it's Latin for black. So ah, it could okay. be diving oh. into black cultures of the Caribbean, but it could also be diving into the black abyss that's literally underneath the museum. Yes. Mm. Mm. And then the, under, underneath that, there's a whole thing about like erected by the Honorable Society of Explorers. But there's, and there's, it gets kind of fuzzy. You can't see it, make it out. But there is a, there is stuff about, stuff about illumination, and the known world and all that kind of like oh, nice. illuminati keywords and stuff like that. And then, of course, we go back to, I guess, the themes we were talking about throughout this podcast uh, in reference to the series about reappropriating cultural checkpoints, right? So, I mean, Mm. this episode kind of reappropriates the fantasy adventurer story and places uh, African-Americans and black people front and center in that, where they are the heroes. And that was something that uh, Atticus kind of refers to in the very first episode when he's talking to the old lady about how he just wants to be the hero and like kind of likes that kind of story. Um, mm. It also makes reference to the debate that's going on, I guess, all over the world with regards to glorifying these explorers when meanwhile they've kind of gone out into the world and kind of raped and plundered it and then brought yeah. it back and stuck it into museums and everyone's yep. like, oh, look, he was such a great man. Look at this history. Yep. Look at all the wealth he brought our country that gave us a head start over everyone else that we were exactly exactly um and so there's all of this like uh what did you what did you call it ian in our first podcast just what uh, a shrekian onion with layers all the way down yeah yeah. that's exactly what this is it shreks all the way down it shreks all the (laughs) way down right uh and there's just so much stuff and I, 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 when I'm watching the episode, I'm making notes. And then sometimes when I'm writing in my notebook, I'm afraid I miss things. Then I got to skip back 15 seconds. Mm. Um, like, you know, it, you think it's a to- throwaway line, but it isn't. When he says smells like Tulsa, that, that sing, those, those three words have yeah. so much meaning into everything that's going yeah, on. And so much weight, right? Like you're, 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 yeah, it, it, you're piecing together in just those three words. You're piecing in 
this background that he may or may not have. And it doesn't even matter if you Google all this shit because the episode was just a great fun adventure romp mm. as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, it actually, I was thinking of what you were talking about the, um, yeah, what's her name? Sorry. Yamudi. Yahima? Yahima, sorry. I was thinking about it when you mentioned Yahima as well, because it's something that was like um, when I was reading Grant Morrison's The Invisibles, it had the, like the the peaks of the icebergs for all these different things that you were looking about, like shamanism and mm. uh, different philosophies and all this kind of stuff. And if you wanted to, you could fall down multiple rabbit holes. And it's the same with this, where there's yeah, just, right. you can just fall down research holes on everything. Yes. I'll be interested to see how and where the series diverges from the novel even more i mean obviously mm. there's a lot more um hidden layers here with regards to black history um mm, yep. actually you know the interesting thing i have to say is that actually matt ruff writes female characters incredibly well um mm. also mm. matt ruff is a white guy who wrote this story and um, he's not gotten any flack for it and so he's clearly done a shit ton of research as well before he yeah. kind of put this on the page because um, ordinarily um, there would be a lot of flack as we've seen with a lot of other novelists who have tried to write stories that aren't necessarily their own, right? Um, yeah. And I think um, he got a lot of praise for it and not just from the people who created the show, but also I guess when the book came out and it was being reviewed, uh, which was about three or four years ago. So mm. yeah, so I think that, I mean, the source material is solid enough that it can carry it through, but at the same time, I'm really glad Misha Green is making all of these changes because even if you've read the book, this is new stuff for you. Yeah, right. I mean, it also helps that, I mean, I presume he didn't fuck up like so many, you know, white authors or Correct. authors who take on. I, I, there's a picture going around of like the Wikipedia entry for the new Mulan Disney movie and it's just like all the people involved, all the creative team and just like white, white, yeah, both of these are white, 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 Ooh, white. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it... it it feels like having seen Mulan and having watched this, it feels like maybe there, I mean, obviously there's value in having the people of the story you're telling involved, right? It doesn't feel like Mulan, Uma in your review feels, it feels so pedestrian, but also just so, so top layer. There's so, so much lip service to that, to it. Whereas in this, you've got, like you said, Ian, you can sort of go down these little rabbit holes, even from throwaway yeah. lines like smells like Tulsa. Instead of being the tip of icebergs that you can go down and explore, uh, Mulan is more like they took the icebergs, ground them up into a fine powder and then sprinkled them on your latte. Oh, yeah. yeah. And made them into a fancy ice cube for your mocktail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think we're, we're skipping over one of the greatest moments, which is just like, I love like over-enthusiastic people out of nowhere where Montrose is just like, damn boy, did you see that jump? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just a beautiful moment of, again, the realism in the characters. They're like, okay, cool. Yeah. You see how, hey, Jesse, hey, Jesse Owens ain't got nothing on me. So, But I, I also love that. I love that that was at the end of this very tense moment, right? It's not, yeah. he doesn't scream it after he does the jump. No, no. no they know they're no. safe. We do yeah. we do this thing first because this is more important because we might I it may have been a great jump but I might still fall into this abyss, and then after that you just go like Jesse Owens ain't got nothing on me. That's great, love it. So do you think in future episodes they're going to address why everything's closer together underground? I mean that big magic cave wouldn't fit magic. in the basement. Of, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's the Lucy. It's the Lucy Lawless on The Simpsons again. Whenever you don't know something that doesn't uh, make sense, a wizard done it. 
because yeah. it actually works in this maybe they'll actually make that canon future simpsons canon because <laughs> like obviously that big ass canyon and all that water and stuff doesn't fit under the museum in boston but it's a jump from that to we have a magic cave under boston to here's an express route from boston yeah. to chicago because, because we've been walking a... for 20 minutes Ta-da, we're in chicago. Yeah, yeah. because because letty's got that line where she says i can't um she says I can't wait to be on this 15 hour drive with you or something like that. Yeah. So, so she, they she specifically then, right? signposts that this drive is going to be 15 fucking hours, but they do it in 20 minutes. It's, and, and then you know, Paul the, and Diana are also the same. They're like, how do they get back to Chicago without us? Yeah. So this episode leaves us with a ton more questions. So we want to know what's going on with Ruby. We want to know what William wants. We want to know what Montrose is up to at the end when he just has that great moment with Tick and then proceeds to brutally murder Yahima. Yeah, that's like here's here's a whole load of plot lines that we could follow, and here's a, like an entire show yes, that we could put on. We could put on ABC content, yeah. in the '80s about this detective that you know he's black. She's from a she's from two hundred years ago. Together, yeah. they're the best crime fighting duo. No, that's all gone. She's yeah, just no. straight up murdered, and it just I worry for Montrose. He's just. Stay away, stay away but, from that guy. But yeah, but even before he does what he does, he sort of leans over and says, I'm sorry, as if he's yeah. got more to it than just, I need to get rid of this other person, right? There's, it's, I, yeah. I know, but it's again, it's like, because he's, he, I, I took from it that he said, what he said to take earlier is that you're too damn stupid not to know, not to poke your nose in. Yeah. Like, mm. He's constantly holding back the information and get gatekeeping. He's like, you know, the thirty-four lo- the other thirty-four lodges. Oop, oh, shouldn't have said that. Because mm. he wants to keep his head down and just live his life and just listen to his records and drink. Yeah. And he doesn't. He doesn't want to attract attention. Whereas Tick and Letty have the fire of the young, as it were, and wants to say, no, we want to change things. If we gotta get spells, we get spells. Like we gotta, we gotta be active. If they've and got spells, just, we want spells too, right? Yeah, so I don't think he's got like a part of a grand conspiracy. I think he really is just that much of an asshole. It's like, I couldn't change anything. I don't think you can. You're going to get hurt trying. And I know better than you, boy. He refers to him boy earlier on. Yeah. And it's just such a, for Tick, it's such a turn when he says that. It's like, you're never going to change. I'm just, fuck you. No, but also, I love the use of the word boy throughout the episode. Because in be- in the beginning, it's like, you're so stupid, boy. And then in the end, yeah. it's like... Uh, God, boy, you're so strong. You've come so far. And so yeah. even the tone in which he says, boy, kind of shifts throughout the episode. Mm. So you think it's actually him still trying to protect his family and fulfill George's worst, last yeah, wish. In the worst possible way, yeah. Like in just like, not, 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 he's not giving them any agency at all. That's the main thing. So in, when I first saw that scene at the end when he killed Yahima, my thought was because he's read the book, that there was a reason Titus yeah. kept Yahima. Yeah. And so he figures if I kill her, then it removes her from the equation. Maybe she is what's needed to cast some even more powerful spells. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I think because for me, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm with Ian because it feels like, because prior to that, Tick says, oh, now that she's here, we should teach her English so she can translate the, the, the pages. Yeah. So I think for him, is like, well... For for Montrose is well, if I don't have, if she can't translate the pages, then maybe this is where it ends. This is where you see, it feels like of... they could possibly still get the pages translated. He didn't have to fucking kill her, man. Sure, yeah, would have no, made his life it, easier, but but it, he's like he's like he got rid of the book at the beginning because that was yeah. the next clue, and he didn't want tick happening upon it. He went with them yeah. because if there'd been a chance, 
like if he'd come across the last scroll that was in a corner on a ledge, he probably would have pushed it off the edge with his foot. Yeah. I guess there's nothing here, boys. I guess we got to go home. Yeah. Um, so like, I think I think it's just shutting down that next clue and just yeah. drawing a line under it and getting back to normality. Yeah. 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 It could be. Oh well. Here we go. I'm looking forward to episode five of Lovecraft Country. Um, I love how we have no idea what's coming next. Yes, we've got 10 episodes. We've got six episodes left. um, And we don't know what form these episodes are going to take. And it's it's really quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Let us know what you think of Lovecraft Country Episode 4. You can reach out on all of our social media channels. That's GogglerMY. You can also send us an email on podcast at goggler.my. Let us know your theories, your conspiracies, uh, what you think might happen if the whole Bobo Emmett Till thing is a real thing. So yeah, we record um, these episodes of the podcast every Tuesday morning. uh, So, you know, you can watch it all throughout Monday. And if you have any questions about the current episode that you're watching or even previous episodes, uh, feel free to tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us, or email us on podcast at goggler.my with any questions you might have, and we will get right on it. This has been another episode of Lovecast Panini, which is your tastiest grilled sandwich version of Lovecraft Country. Uma Ian and Bahir signing out. No.